Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist and your host. And on today's episode, I'm discussing negotiation avoidance and highly sensitive people. Hello, y'all. How are you doing? I want to discuss negotiation and why we are so uncomfortable with it as a tribe. Negotiation has been a struggle for me since the beginning. I've learned much the hard way after failing to properly and effectively negotiate for myself and my best interest. This has hit me in salary negotiations. This has hit me in being screwed over in a business venture. This has hit me daily in terms of interacting with people. And when I say negotiation, I wonder, do you hear the word conflict? I think a lot of sensitive people do that the second we're like, oh, we got to negotiate for ourselves. We just sort of feel and sense the inherent conflict and want to lean away and avoid it. How does this phrase I just made up feel and do you fit it? Are you negotiation avoidant? You've heard me talk about conflict avoidance, and it's smart to be a certain amount of avoiding of conflict, but we have to do some conflict. And if we're really feeling the word negotiation as the word conflict and we're negotiation avoidant, oh my goodness, how are we ever supposed to learn how to negotiate and advocate for ourselves? How do we get practice if we just avoid it? So I want to discuss negotiation today through an article I found from a Harvard blog on 10 hard bargaining tactics to watch out for in negotiation. And I think this will be a good way for me to discuss with you why we struggle and figuring out what we can practice to reduce the struggle and be able to more effectively negotiate for ourselves and just in life in general. The first negotiation tactic coming out of what I think is a Harvard business school, extreme demands followed up by small, slow concessions. Now, when I read that, I think, well, no wonder highly sensitive people turn away or shy away from negotiating. I don't know that we want to deal with extreme demands and the bigness of that personality. I am an empath. What I recognize looking back on my life is, ooh, lots of times I just didn't want to feel the energy of someone demanding something of me. What happens to people here is we can make concessions too quickly. Somebody's coming at us with a lot of hard energy and we just want to hurry up and get out of there because the energy is tough for us to feel, especially if we're empaths. But good negotiators on the other side who aren't me, who aren't you, who aren't highly sensitive empaths or survivors, know this. 
they know that they are leading with this intensity and that that intensity can shut other people down. Sometimes just knowing this can help us not get so rattled in the moment and know, oh, this is really a strategy someone's enacting. I don't have to get rattled by this. I can breathe and still work within the gray. I don't have to make concessions so quickly unless they really work for me and I want to agree to them. Second negotiation tactic that's really hard on highly sensitive people. Commitment tactics. People might say, oh, my hands are tied. I can't negotiate with you. Of course, this is a struggle for highly sensitive people. This feels highly manipulative. We can't tell what's real when we're negotiating with another person or entity. Are these tactics? Are these posturing? For a lot of us, this is true in my own story, this really hits us in manipulation. And if we come from a household where we grew up with manipulation, what I believe happens a lot of times is that we get triggered by the manipulation aspect of many negotiations. And we don't understand what's triggering us. We tend to feel like small children. We tend to feel like we're in trouble with an authority figure. We can get triggered and cry, then we're embarrassed. All of that is very difficult energy to advocate for ourselves from. And we wind up just shutting it down really quickly and sort of running out of the room. Knowing these things can help us breathe center and calm, understanding that these tactics are happening all around us, but we don't, have to absor- we don't have to absorb those tactics. We can just observe those tactics. Next strategy, a take it or leave it negotiation strategy. Now, this is a manipulation even within the negotiation because this is saying I'm sitting down to negotiate with you, but it's non-negotiable. It's take it or leave it, which is not a negotiation. So we feel the hypocrisy of that within negotiating. We don't know what to do with it. Now, the suggestion is to try ignoring it and focus on the content instead of the offer and then make a counteroffer as if that person isn't even presenting to you that it's a non-negotiable. Very hard thing to do without some strategy as a highly sensitive person going into negotiation. Why? We're a tribe of over-explainers. Think about that for a minute when it comes to negotiating. Some of negotiating is holding our cards. Well, many of us walk the world very authentic, very open. That doesn't help us negotiate very much. It doesn't feel like the way that we want to be. It can feel a little slimy. It can feel masking. It can feel manipulative for us to even hold our cards close and not show them. The fourth strategy from this article talks about inviting unreciprocated offers. When you make an offer, you may find that your counterpart asks you to make a concession before making a counteroffer herself. It says, don't bid against yourself by reducing your demands. Instead, indicate that you are waiting for a counteroffer. Think about what goes on around this negotiation strategy. Being asked to make concessions. Many highly sensitive people lean codependent. What does that mean? That means we've been taught and we have then participated in putting other people's needs in front of our own and not knowing that we can stand up and say, hey, yes, I have a need or hey, no, not going to do that. That doesn't work for me. So in negotiating, if we haven't done work on our codependency, if we haven't done work around our self-worth, 
it's very hard to sit in that uncomfortable space of someone asking us to make a concession. We may have been, in a way, pre-programmed to concede, even those of us that have very strong fighters in us. Many of us at, at first have strong fighters, but we don't know how to fight for ourselves. We fight for others. That was very true of me growing up. I could defend somebody on the playground. I could say, hey, don't bully somebody else. I could defend someone who was messing with my younger siblings. But when it came to someone messing with me or bullying me or playing power struggles with me, I would shut down. I knew how to do it for other people. I didn't know how to do that for myself. In negotiation, that becomes a real Achilles heel. So to be able to be a better negotiator, we've got to also work on our self-worth and believe that we have every right to sit in that discomfort and to hold a line and to not concede too much. Tactic number six, personal insults and feather ruffling. Personal attacks can feed on your insecurities and make you vulnerable. Isn't that interesting that that's in a Harvard sort of business strategy article? The words insecurity and vulnerable. Every bully we've ever dealt with, every person with narcissistic features we've ever dealt with personally insults and ruffles feathers to get us off our game. It's a really great strategy if you're trying to throw somebody off and win. It's not necessarily kind. It's not necessarily truthful. And we have to admit to ourselves that that's where we want to live. We want to live in kind authenticity and sharing. And that's great and that's beautiful. But it doesn't serve me if I'm going into a room to do a negotiation. So if I'm walking into a room to do a negotiation, I've really got to get my game face on. I've got to talk to my inner empath and go, okay, all right, listen, (laughs) you cannot drive the bus here. This is not a time for over empathy. This is actually a time to practice being a little bit more selfish than what I'm comfortable with. Why? That's going to help me hold my line. But I have to give my empath parts, my intuitive parts, my super kind, soft, tender, vulnerable parts, permission to sort of be that hard, to be that I'm putting my foot down. I get to be here. I get to do this for myself, even if it's really uncomfortable, that's okay. If you feel yourself getting flustered within any sort of negotiation or advocacy work, just take a break. Go breathe. Go practice some very simple self-care. Go to the bathroom. Splash some water on your face. Center. Maybe have the little conversation with your empath parts like I just modeled to be able to get your game face on and shake off the nerves and get in there and advocate for yourself. Another tactic that throws highly sensitive people when it comes to negotiating, bluffing, puffing, and lying. Now, those are very nice words for manipulating. And many of us are healing nervous systems that are highly attuned to this type of manipulation because we have come from narcissistic dynamics that have taught us to be on guard for these exact things, bluffing, puffing, and lying. Exaggerating and misrepresenting facts can really throw you off. It's okay to be skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true and to investigate closely. 
That's another thing that takes a whole lot of self-worth and permission to be able to look at another human being and basically say, the information you have for me is not good enough. I want more. I'm going to get more. And I have every right to vet that. And you, sir or madam, are going to have to wait on me to do that. That's not how highly sensitive people like to roll in life. We don't like to jostle for power. That's why I call highly sensitive people secret leaders or reluctant leaders. We have these leadership qualities, but we've learned in some ways to kind of shut up, to sit back, and to allow other people to overpower us. Some of that, I believe, is us trying to manage our energy loss. People can really drain us. So often we are trying to avoid being drained in the near future. And so we just sort of hurry up and get out of there and don't know how to really sit and make that negotiation time worth it for us. Threats and warnings are another tactic in negotiation. Now, isn't this interesting? Because I bet some of you will maybe listen to this a second time. And while I'm giving a list of strategies for negotiation, it's also how to manipulate people. I know they didn't write the article that way, but these are the ways that we get manipulated. This is a big part of why it's so hard for survivors and sensitive people to go into negotiating space with confidence, backbone, empowerment, and a no-nonsense attitude about getting what they need. As highly sensitive people, we tend to overfeel a threat in negotiation. Why? We are very vested in minimizing our pain. So if someone threatens us, we want to get out of there. We've learned that that's smart. To be able to negotiate through that kind of threat and not just run away, we've got to ignore that threat, understand it for the strategy that it is, that that's that person trying to bully through the meeting to get what they want. And we just have to stay the course and not give in to that. Naming a threat can diffuse the threat. We've seen that in many movies. Oh, are you threatening me? No, 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 no. I'm not threatening you. Okay, good. But that only happens if we name it. And part of the reason that that feels better once we do it, not before, but once we name it, hey, are you trying to threaten me? Is because there's an inner child in there, y'all. And that inner child, if I look at someone and go, was that a threat? Was that the intention that you're threatening me? Instead of that inner child looking at that threatening person and getting triggered, desperate, anxious, potentially panicking, I want that inner child. I want to teach my inner self, don't look to that person, look to me. I'm the grown-up here. And that inner child turns and looks at me and sees me handling the other bully saying, are you threatening me? That helps my inner child take a deep breath and relax exhale. In that moment, she looks at me and goes, oh, wow. Okay, good. Grown-up bus is, is handling it. Okay. I don't totally trust you to handle it, but I see you handling it and that feels better. Over time, the more I show her, hey, we don't have to do what we did as kids. We don't have to just take it. We don't have to be a doormat. We don't have to absorb it. We don't have to bow our heads to it. We don't have to concede. 
We can sit right here in this discomfort and this person's going to have to negotiate with me because I'm not disappearing. I'm not withering. And in childhood, we couldn't do that. It wouldn't have been safe to buck the systems that hard. It might not have been safe to buck any adults that were bullying us. But wise woman, grown up me? Oh, we can do that now. Over time, the more I practice that, the more she has a comfortability within conflict, within negotiation, because she's trusting that even though I don't like it, even though I don't want to do it, I can. Now, based on my personality, maybe yours, probably yours too, if you're a fan of the show, I'm never really going to wake up in any given day and go, you know what I want? Mm, Conflict and negotiation. Yeah, just bring it on. It's not my favorite space. It's not my favorite moments. But it is a next level of inner security and self-care to know I can do it now when I have to. I know how to stick in there and not let other people screw me over. It's a very important life skill. I wish it wasn't a very important life skill. Genuinely. I wish we didn't need that knowledge. I wish we didn't need to know how to stay on our toes so that other people won't use, abuse but we do. And we can. The last tactic I want to name about negotiation and what makes it so hard to advocate for ourselves is the tactic negotiators use to belittle your alternatives. So as you try to negotiate, getting belittled, kind of sneered at, dismissed, minimized, maybe even shamed, this is how the other party might make me cave We work to learn how to not let that person shake us and how to sit in our truth and in honoring what we came there to do, negotiate. Believe it or not, in a lot of ways, my boundaries course helps address the core of what blocks us from being able to negotiate and advocate for ourselves. We need boundaries to know our worth, to know where I start and where I stop where you start and where you stop. I must know how to trust my intuition that tells me when someone is about to stomp on my boundaries and turn me into a doormat. My course is about learning how to see the need for, how to create, and how to stand firmly in workable boundaries that make it possible to stand tall in negotiating for yourself. I had to learn how to not participate in laying down like a doormat. And for a long time, I didn't think I was participating in being a doormat because I was super angry about that position. But many of us do that even while we're fiery angry because we don't understand all the factors of people-pleasing, self-respect, self-care, self-love, self-esteem, self-worth. Boundaries make it possible to live this empowered life and to craft it. I learned to be a better negotiator out of necessity, not out of desire. And I suspect that many of you are in the position to need to learn how to negotiate for yourselves internally first and then externally. And that's where my boundaries course meets people. So if you're interested in doing some of that work with me, we will blink in October. We'll be here. Come sign up with the coupon code earlybird 2020 to get $100 off if you pay in full or pick a very affordable payment plan that can fit your budget if you are interested in wanting 
boundaries work with me. I want to take a moment before I close out the show to thank those of you who went to podcastawards.com and put in a vote for us. Thank you so much. Voting is closed and we will let you know if we hear anything. Thank you so much. Y'all are my marketing team. Thank you for sharing the show with other people. Remember that you can find us on all social medias. I'm probably the most active, definitely the most active on Instagram. You can sign up for my newsletter at NikkiEisenhower.com or our Emotional Badass newsletter at EmotionalBadass.com. You can check out our store, buy a t-shirt, a cap, a sweatshirt. And as always, you can come support the show at Patreon. Take care of yourselves. Remember that you have every right to learn how to negotiate for what you want and need in this lifetime. We only get one precious life. And it's up to you about what you're going to do with it. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets mindful. Till next time. Bye-bye. 